Hey, welcome to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today we have Mario at CBS. <laughs> it's a good time. We also have Luigi as Rob. Hi. It's, it's Mexico. <laughs> and the lesser known brother, Rastasio as Ras. Hi. <laughs> He's got the boots like iron. <laughs> Makes me sink in the water. That's why he don't let you swim. He always needs the frog suit. <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, welcome to the Top of Guys podcast. You can see how excited Ross is tonight. Be Ross Dashio. The man has his namesake, and every time he hates it. Yep. It's terrible, Ross. Yep. It hurts my soul. Because he's the lesser known Mario. I know, I know. You know, they got one and two players, and then it comes to third player, and they're like, <laughs> It's true. Forget that guy. Yeah. He's the first loser, and it's like, no, that's second player. And then <laughs> he's the second loser. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, oh, my God. It's good times. That's why they only come with two controllers instead of three. Yeah. It's true. Take, take that, Metal Boot Ross. <laughs> Stachio. So, uh, today we're doing episode number 91. Alright. So, you know, today's podcast we're going to be doing uh, Venom number 4 uh, from Marvel Comics, uh, Teen Titans number 5 from DC Comics, Heathen number 1, which is from Vault Comics, Superman. Uh, number 18 from DC, and Electra number one from Marvel. If you don't know, now you know. And I can't say the rest of the song because I'm not the right color. <laughs> but I'm I thought it was for copyrights. No. Well, maybe. Anyway, um, so uh, I'm a little under the weather, so sorry I sound as much as I do like I'm in a box. That's You're what, also in a box. That's true as well. That does make things harder for everyone else. Yeah, nobody wants to get sick, so box that up. Yay, <laughs> man, that's rough. Oh my gosh. All right. Uh, so let's uh, man, sew a needle pulling thread. No, that's a song. Law note to follow dough. Something about team bread. I think you're making up the song. At this bring point. me back the dough. Hadoken. No? Okay. Wow. It's uh the the steps in the it doesn't matter. Watch the sound of music, Rob. God. Oh. Uh well let's go ahead and start with a little bit of news. From Ross and the dog pile. God damn it. <laughs> nice. So Last time we talked about there were some crazy new Looney Tunes DC crossovers. Right. Uh, we had Marvin the Martian and Martian Manhunter and Batman and Delmer Fudd. Right. And Jonah Hex and Yosemite Sam. And Foghorn Lakehorn. Yep. And they actually put out the solicitations for them finally this week. And on top of those three, we also got Bugs Bunny and the Legion of Superheroes. 
Okay. And Wonder Woman and the Tasmanian Devil. Which the images for that, the cover does look crazy. It's pretty cool. The story behind uh, Legion of Superheroes and Bugs Bunny one is kind of funny, too. Because it's the typical Legion of Superheroes trying to bring back Superman to the future to help him with things. And instead of bringing back Superman, they get Bugs Bunny somehow. It seems like a foolish decision. But it's totally the Bugs Bunny dressed up like Superman, like in the old cartoon. So oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Super Bugs thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was going to say, the uh, Elmer Fudd, I guess the pitch for that is that apparently Elmer is a rich, like, like a billionaire like Bruce Wayne is. Mm-hmm. And then I guess... At some point, Bruce is trying to convince Elmer he needs to do something with his life, and somehow Elmer decides that means hunt Batman. I guess Bruce is not great at motivational speaking. <laughs> Which is very possible. But that does sound pretty funny. Good, good times. Yep. Uh, what else, Ross? Yeah, they, uh, they put out a preview for Jughead the Hunger. Oh! Or, as I like to call it, Hot Dog and the Werewolf. Damn it. And it was awesome. I think it was on EW.com. Mm. So if you uh, get the chance, you should look up preview for Jughead the Hunger. It's pretty brutal, like way more than Afterlife with Archie or Sabrina stuff. Wow, crazy! Yeah, and that stuff was already pretty, pretty. Oh crazy. yeah, it was pretty legit. Yeah, uh, well, I guess it's not really a spoiler because it's in the preview uh, for the book. Yeah, but uh, they straight up decapitate the. Is it? This is Grundy? Is that her This name? is Grundy, the teacher? Yeah. Man. Good stuff, Ross. Yeah, it is crazy. Is it Frank Avia working on this one, too? No, but it's someone that does a very similar art style hmm. to his. Okay. I don't remember exactly the creators of it, but... Right. It looks cool. It looks really good. Cool. All right. Um, Rob? Right. Unfortunately, uh, we do have some news from the film world, which is that Bill Paxton passed away. Um, many people may remember him from Twister, but I'll always remember him from Aliens and Predator. And Aliens, right. he played Hudson. Heck yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, but there's so many movies that he was a part of, and he even actually directed one, which he directed Frailty, which was a crazy movie where... He thought he saw demons in people, and that God told him that he should chop them up with an axe. Awesome. Yeah, he started and directed that one. Well, sadly, it was the only one that he directed, but... Yeah, he was actually at... I think he was even Comic-Con within this last year. Probably. So he was, he was part of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. He might have shown up in the... The end of the first season, the throughout the second season. Okay. Yeah, decent, decent guy, pretty good actor, fun guy, a lot of, lot of uh, super memorable roles. Yeah, with a few people that played in both the uh, Predator and the Aliens franchises. That's true. Before they were ever connected. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah, as I, as I understand, he was, he was a really well liked guy. Yeah. Evidently, Hollywood really, really liked him. He seemed to be a really level headed dude. So it's just sad. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we've lost two Aliens cast members now from last year. And yeah, so. pretty short amount of time for both yeah. of them. Right. Just saying. So, the Alien Covenant coming up. I guess now we're not going to have the 
all cast reunion. <laughs> I don't think that was going to happen anyways. But. Well, here's the thing. It's anyway, well, let's move on from, uh, you know. Yeah, from sad stuff and movie stuff. Move over to something else. And do some comic books then? You got anything else, Ross? Any more news? I think that's it for me, man. Should, should we should we talk about Logan? Should we, should we might as well. But maybe we should wait. Logan came out. Yes, Logan came out. And reviews are mixed. Maybe. Reviews are mixed. We'll do it. I really do want to do a separate show about that, actually. So and look for a later show, maybe, that is titled with Logan in the title of it. Okay, uh, but yeah, either way, Logan happens, so, you know, movies. Yeah. has a sweet Deadpool trailer, so that's super awesome. Yeah. Was it really a trailer, though? I'm going to say that, yes. Yeah, I'd say that was a trailer. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty I short. thought it was more just like a short, like a You know, little... it's hard to really say what exactly was going on, but pretty sure it's a, it's a trailer. I'm going to go with trailer. I, that's, that's my final answer. Because, I mean, it could... Could go before other films and be fine. Yeah. It was funnier because it was in front of Logan. Um, like the scene, if, once you see it, this will make sense to you. But there's like, they're in front of a theater, and it says Logan on the marquee. So like, it would make no sense in front of the movie at this point. That'd be funny. Whatever. Anyway, Deadpool shenanigans at the beginning of the movie. Take that, everybody, with their secrets and lies. Yeah, it'll be on the internet. It's probably already on the internet. Probably. <laughs> Look it up, people. Okay, so let's go over the first book. Rob, uh, want to tell a story about Venom? Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Yeah. Actually, we got um, writer Mike Costa. And then we wound up having double artists on this one. Garada Sandoval is the primary artist, and then Jana Ramirez is the secondary artist. Okay. So, um, the new series of Venom is following a totally new guy named Lee, and uh, he's kind of got in the hot water. The police are kind of blackmailing him at this point. They know he's got the symbiote in him. They don't know what to do with him. And so the police have kind of made a deal with him that they want him to feed them information, basically. So the spot that he's uh, supposed to meet them is actually in front of Parker Industry, right as Spider-Man kind of swings by the building. And we kind of are learning what Lee and what Venom think of this whole situation. And Venom's definitely more worried about being taken advantage of and used as a slave while Lee thinks that he can kind of manipulate the situation to his own end. And it was kind of interesting how things work for it, because the police basically start off with the idea that they want Spider-Man's identity. Because Venom's got to know, right? Because he was a part of him for a little while. And Lee pretty much just stonewalls him, like, yeah, that's not how the situation works. That's not how, uh, that's not how the symbiote works. And so we don't really know whether the symbiote could relay that to Lee or not, but Lee doesn't seem to even care. He just wants to manipulate the situation for his own ends. Um, one of the big things that's going on is that he's got in with Black Hat as hired muscle. Problem is, Black Hat doesn't really trust him, 
and most of that's because Matt Gorgon doesn't like him. So they basically send him out to rough up a uh, Daily, Daily, Daily Bugle reporter who is going to be writing a story on Black Cat. Uh, but they send Gorgon with him to kind of make sure that uh, he's on the up and up so there's no more dead bodies. And the symbiote's basically warning him about Gorgon this whole time because you know, the symbiote was once with Gorgon as well. There's actually some really cool moments with Gorgon and Lee. Because when he comes up the stairs to meet him so they can go rough up the, uh, the reporter, Gorgon's there in like his full-on scorpion suit. Like robotic limbs and like mech body and everything. And Lee's kind of giving him this hard time like, Really? You walked up the stairs in that? And Gorgon's like, no, I went to the roof and I climbed down. And what the hell? You, you know, like, why are you even asking me this stuff? Like, you can see the leaves just kind of like poking at him because he thinks he's ridiculous. And in a way, Gorgon really is. But Lee sets up this whole idea of how they're going to intimidate him. And Gorgon's like, whatever, and just like smashes the wall in. And it looks like he's going to kill the guy. And Gorgon has, or Lee has to remind him, like, that's not what we're here for. Which is when Gorgon's basically like, you know what, I was here for a whole different thing. He basically tells him he's going to kill him, blame it on the reporter, and then kill the reporter too. Which kind of winds up having this big fight between the two of them. And the big thing is, Lee is trying his best to make sure that nobody knows he has venom inside of him. And so even while he's getting demolished by... Scorpion, he's, like, warning Venom to only keep his brain intact and make sure his heart's safe, because he's going to use this for his own you know, his, his own gain in the end. And so he takes, like, a pretty bad thumping, which leads to something crazy happening at the end of the book. Uh, and there's actually a few pages of that, but we're not going to get into that, because things get uh, pretty out of control at the very end of it. But uh, it's, it's interesting to see how they do this, because Lee is a very different host for the symbiote. Because so we've seen with Eddie, we've seen with Matt, that the symbiote can be a complete savage. And, and with both Eddie and with Gorgon, it didn't seem to have much of a personality. With Flash, it still didn't really seem to have a whole lot of its own personality until the Space Knight storyline. Yeah, Space Knight storyline really separated the two things. Um, but what's kind of cool is that Lee is not just the brutal thug that Eddie is or that Matt was. And so he wants to really utilize the symbiote as kind of like a trump card thing for himself. And he and the symbiote kind of have these round and rounds inside of his head on how he's going to be used. So it actually brings the symbiote as a full new character, and even though we're going to this point of, like, it's the bad old Venom, well, Venom's actually still trying to be kind of a hero. It's the guy who's using him that's really manipulating and making him sort of bad. Right. So the take on Venom, I think, is really cool. Uh, the look of his costume is pretty unique. It's going to be interesting because they've kind of pitched some stuff down the road that's going to change this series. But at least right now, if you haven't been checking out this series, 
it's really worth checking a look at. And Sandoval is actually a dynamite artist, so I've really enjoyed his. Oh yeah, it's definitely cool. Yeah. Um, for me, they really, I thought they really did a great job with this issue. I was looking forward to it because I knew that Venom and and the Scorpion were going to come to blows. I just didn't have any idea how it was going to play out. Right. So, uh, I give it. I give it a, f- a four. I actually, I really enjoyed it. I've, I've liked what they've done with Venom so far. Once again, I really like Sandoval's work on the series. So, yeah, I'd, I'd give it a four. Right. Uh, Mr. Ross? Um, I'd probably give it about three and a half. <clears throat> it's interesting to go back to the idea of maybe Venom isn't the bad thing in the bunch, that it's the person behind it. Right. Because I think we've, like, always been under the notion that the symbiote is probably not the best thing ever, and the person is a good thing that's there, but it might actually be the other way around sometimes, so. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is a, a far cry from the 90s, mm. where they were just like, oh, Venom was popular, so let's make him a hero, and it just really felt forced and didn't really fit. Mm. Like, this kind of, I don't know, it plays out better, I think. Mm. Um, you know, I, I follow soon give it a three and a half. Um, the story's been pretty interesting. It is an interesting, like, like we were talking about, it's an interesting dynamic. Um, as far as, like, the, the symbiote, I mean, yeah, when it originally was on Peter, it, the separation between the two things was mostly done out of jealousy because of the way it was trying to drive Peter away from Mary Jane and forcing him to be less in control of himself. And then when it got mixed in with Brock, well, at the time, Brock hated Parker, too. Because everything that went wrong in his life, he blamed on Parker because there was like the two of them were job, well, not frenemies because they weren't friends, but they were like opposing forces in the news industry, both trying to get the same jobs, and every time Eddie lost to Peter. So the rage venom, very different because of the time frame of the stories. Now, since then, of course, Eddie Brock's had a change with things. And he's had a change in his system, too, because he never hated Spider-Man. Granted, once he figured out they were both the same guy, he was super pissed because he felt like he'd been being cheated the whole time. But since then, we've had a lot of stuff happen to him, too. So, But anyway, yeah, as far as as far as far what's going on right now, it's been fairly interesting because the opposite side of how things were before. But yeah, if you haven't checked it out, I definitely suggest it. The art's pretty good, and the direction we're going, we are getting dangles from ads showing us Eddie. So uh, I'd be interested to see where that goes. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Teen Titans. Ross, is this Teen Titans number number five? Yep, Teen Titans number five by Ben Percy and Koi Fam. Um, so Teen Titans number five is the end of the very first arc of the Teen Titans story so far. The one that started with Damien kidnapping the team. This um, is awesome. Yeah, we actually talked about that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good issue. The last, I don't remember if it was the one before this, or one before that, but it had a really weird kind of Damien, where he was acting very out of character to me, where he basically sacrificed himself for the Teen Titans, which is just not something he would do. It's not his normal. His normal MO is very self-driven, not, yeah. Yeah, not, not quite as selfless as that one seemed to be. Um, and this one is more, more in character, I feel like, for all the characters, with the exception of, at the very end, Batman shows up, 
And once and when Batman shows up, Damien's like, "You weren't at my birthday party." He is like all upset about that, and then, that that was out of character for Damien. Um, but, but otherwise, the, the story was basically Damien and the Teen Titans against the League of Assassins and the Demon's Fist. And uh, towards the beginning of the story, Damien convinces the Demon's Fist that they're just being tools for Rachel Ghoul. They're not actually doing anything worthwhile for themselves. After his pep talk, he's able to convince them to fight with the Teen Titans as opposed to fighting against them. Yeah, and the whole issue is basically a giant action-packed battle between a bunch of crazy League of Assassins people and Teen Titans and evil Teen Titans. Because that's <laughs> ba- they're basically all the same. Yeah, they're kind everything. of a re- reverse version of... Of the Titans, yeah. Mm. There are a lot of really cool character moments, like Beast Boy has a lot of funny jokes that he says in there, and uh, says some stuff as he turns into the animals that that are kind of pun-like, that are pretty good. Punny? Punny, yeah. There you go. Um, and then there's a really cool moment at the end with Goliath and Beast Boy that I liked a lot. Uh, overall, it was a good ending to that first arc, and I'm glad that it kind of picked up. Overall, the art was really good. Like, they did a really good job of seamlessly transitioning the different artists in it. So you switched artists? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as a whole, I'd probably rate it probably a three and a half out of five. Okay. Uh, Mr. Rob? I'd fall asleep with that. I'm I'm a big Teen Titans fan to begin with, so it's kind of hard for me to, like, be too objective. (laughs) Just kind of out of curiosity... I'd like to see some of these Demon Hand characters again. Do you think there's a possibility of that? Oh, yeah. Or does it kind of wrap up with them you know, slinking off and we're just, you know, they're, they're going to be relegated to never seeing them again? You no, know, they leave and, and someone says, like, something, someone, they say, they have dialogue in the book that's basically what you just said. And they're like, we'll see you again, or maybe not. I have a feeling, like, because of introducing those characters and building them the way they have, they're probably going to show up again at some point, but... If nothing else, I mean, that's that's what you want anyways, is, like, stuff that you can build some more continuity with. But, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I give it a 3.5. I didn't read it as hard as you did, I guess. So, like, I missed the part where they were mentioned in that. But they do talk about, like, you're more than your bloodline and stuff, so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Either way. Really? Um, we got, you know, I follow suit, too. I mean, this, this whole build-up with Rasa Ghoul, there's a... Interesting, I mean, the whole family dynamic between him and Damien in the first place is crazy. So, I don't know, this reverse version of them is an interesting thing. And, like, like you were talking about, Rob, if they don't, if they don't show up again, it'd be a real disappointment just because they're kind of a cool build out, even though they are just reverse versions of the Titans, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it would be really neat. And this is just kind of a spitball thrown out, you know, kind of thing. If they do go through with this whole. Deathstroke reviving his son, Ravenger. It'd be really neat to see them linked with him. Oh, interesting. And kind of building them out as, like, a new opposition for the Titans. That would be pretty cool. I don't... That's, that's down the road, that's just kind of, like, shooting at the wall. But, right. you know, that would be cool, I think, to me. Like, even if you made them, like, the new Hive or something. I was going to say, they, they replaced some of the Hive people with them instead... Because Hive was kind of that idea, sort of. Mm. Either way, three and a half. Like you said, art's great. The story's pretty fun. Yeah. 
the, I dig the cover. It's awesome. Um, okay, so... Which is cheese. No, is it only me? Okay. What's cheese? <laughs> queso. Oh, queso. Oh, okay. Did I just fall into that damn joke? You did. You fell into the trap. Good job, Rob. <clears throat> okay, so let's, uh... We're going to move on to Heathen. This is from Vault Comics. So this is, uh, the art and the, the writing of the art is by Natasha Alterisi. I'm pretty sure that's how you say the name. If, if not, I'm very sorry, Natasha. Um... Uh, Vault Smart Company, I haven't really read a whole lot of stuff by them, so I'm not entirely sure what else they have in their lineup. Um, but as far as, like, a, a, a single issue for me, the first thing I remember from them, the cover's really good. Um, Tess Fowler helps on the cover, too. Uh, so when we kick off the book, we basically start, and we've got a, a girl riding along with her horse, and it, it's basically an overview. She's telling the horse, she, tells, she asks the horse if she wants to hear a story. And, well, of course, the horse doesn't respond, but, you know, she's talking to herself anyway. She basically starts telling the horse about the story about a Valkyrie and how Thor created the Valkyries and how men were terrified of them because of how powerful they were. And even though they were super powerful, they still fell under Odin's control and that no soul could pass Valhalla without, Lo without Odin giving it permission to either live or die. And then when it, it died, the Valkyries came and took it to Valhalla. So their whole point is basically like the river sticks the Grim Reaper. Is easier way to explain that. Um, but this whole time she's telling the horse a story about the, 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 the Valkyrie. Eventually she gets to one particular Valkyrie she decides to tell it. She's telling the story about, um, and the Valkyries were always supposed to take orders from Odin, but uh, there was one that decided not to, and uh, she was ordered to uh, allow a king to live in a battle. And she didn't. She killed the king, and she took him to uh, took him to Valhalla. And of course, that uh, made made him Odin furious, so he banished her. And in the course of banishing her, he decided to punish her, forcing her to marry a mortal and live out her days uh, in exile. And she agreed to the banishing under one condition: that she had to ex that she would she would accept her punishment, not battle, and not fight against it. Under the one condition that she's allowed to choose her own mortal through her own tests and so she basically created herself a test to rescue her from the inside of a fiery like a, like a burning fire and whoever it is that could rescue her from that was the one for her so if no man ever rescued her she would continue to live inside this fire basically in like a I guess, a uh, sleeping state. So kind of like the whole uh, sleeping, beauty. sleeping Beauty thing. Yeah, that's what I was going for. The yeah. whole Sleeping Beauty thing. Except for with more fire. Uh, yes, a lot more fire. Probably less dwarfs. Uh, no dwarfs that I'm aware of. Sometimes. Were there dwarfs in Sleeping Beauty? No. <laughs> no, no dwarfs at all, Rob. No, less singing no, animals. No that's Prince no Charming? <laughs> singing animals? Were there singing animals in that one? Sleeping there's, Beauty? There's, there's singing animals in all. All the meth singing animals. That's the only reason you get off on that one, Rob. Ah, anyway, back to the story. So uh, she comes to the end of the story, and uh, it's night now. And she decides to go to sleep. And we wake the next morning, and she's out hunting. And she takes aim at this elk and gets ready to shoot it. And all of a sudden, she hears this noise. And so because of the noise, she pauses before she fires the arrow, turns around and demands to know who it is that's following her. Well, we wind up finding out that it's another. That it's a girl named Liv. Or live, it's L I V. So 
pronounce it however you want. And, yeah, uh... That's Lou. Yeah. And she's like, oh, well, I knew you weren't dead. So I can't believe you found me. What are you doing out here? And so between the two of their conversations, we realize that she's also been banished from her village because the other option, the only two options she, that they gave her father was to either kill her or to marry her off. And uh, the father elected to have her run away and fake her death in order to have the city folk not kill her. And uh, so two of them are talking over this whole situation, and we learn a little more about the, why the banishing happened, which I, I will leave to be a secret for you to read. Um, but in the process of this, the two of them uh, are talking about how it's going to be sad they never see each other again, and uh, Liv has been ordered to marry um, a ruler from another town, and so she's under the same type of punishment. But uh, her father elected to marry her off rather than kill her or because uh, exile wasn't a choice the option was kill them or marry them and uh, well her father let her run away whereas the other one was married off going to be married off to uh, another guy or to a uh, person from another village anyway in the process of this happening we heard a really crazy noise in the woods and turn around there's this giant black boar and it comes bearing down on them and she tells Liv to get out of the way and Moves her, slaps her horse, and gets the horse to safety. And she basically stands and faces this boar, like, fearlessly. And as she's battling it, she shoots it with an arrow, and it deflects the arrow. And then she realizes that, for whatever reason, this boar doesn't act like a normal boar. And uh, she starts talking to it. And uh, she's determined that it's a god, and not actually a boar. In the process of fighting it, she winds up grabbing the little boar by its horns, and she flips it over herself, and basically flings it. And at that point, we see it transform into a man, uh, which we find out uh, this particular man, uh, he's a trickster god, much like Loki, but not not from the same uh, mythical origin story, or mythical, myth, mythical origin. Uh, this is uh, Radun, Radan, it's R-U-A-D-A-N, uh, so I say Radan. And uh, of course, Radan is surprised by her not being afraid, and... Uh, the two of them have some words, and uh, eventually he slinks off into the night, turns back into, or into the, slinks away, turning back into the boar, and uh, Liv comes back out, and she's like, oh my god, I can't believe that you, you that that bull didn't kill, kill you, and she's like, it wasn't a bull, it was a god, and she's like, oh my, you were fighting a god? And she goes, I wouldn't really call it a fight. The main thing to worry about with Redan is who he works for, and what secrets he has. Anyway, she tells Liv to take her horse and go back to the village, and she's going to continue on by herself. So two of them say their goodbyes, and away Liv rides on on the horse. And uh, our uh, our heathen goes and takes the arrow out of the elk she shot before, uh, proceeds to cut the antlers off and make herself a crazy awesome helmet, and then uh, we rejoin the god, now kneeling in front of somebody in the throne, and uh, basically answering questions about what he saw. And uh, apparently this particular god is very aware of the Valkyrie trapped in the fire. And our little uh, our little heathen girl has decided she's going to go try to free the Valkyrie. And uh, that's kind of where we leave it at. There's another catch at the end uh, as far as like what the next set of tests are going to be. But... Uh, a fairly interesting little story. The art, I definitely dig the art, even though it's uh, it's a little more messy than what I normally like, but I definitely dig it. Um, 
It's got a backup story in here, too. I won't go over the backup story. It's for a totally different book. Um, Score-wise, I give it a three. I mean, it's a fun book. Pretty quick read, but for, like, a kickoff, we get a lot of art out of it. And uh, I thought it was fairly entertaining, actually, being about Norse, like, mythology and stuff. Uh, pretty cool little book. Um, so I look forward to seeing the next issue of it. I think it's a... I remember, if I remember right, it's a six-part miniseries, I think. I can't totally remember that, though. Um, but yeah. Anyway, I, I dig it. I'd say it's a winner. Uh, Rob, you got a score for that book? Um, I do enjoy Norse mythology, so it's kind of cool to have this kind of crop up in this book as well. I'd probably say... I'd probably say a three. Um, like you said, I mean, the, the art style for me is not one that I normally go for. Kind of has a lot of fast edges and stuff, but yeah, I'd, I'd say three and a half. I'd say. Three and a half or three? Yeah, three. Sorry. That's right. Just, just trying to be clear what we're. Going yeah, because I started at three and then I went to three and a half. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the place my and... trick was actually like I'm, I'm really like ah, I want to do two and a half, but it's not a bad book. Right. It's just not. Well, no, no. I'd, I'd say three. Okay. Three is where I'm at. I'm, I'm going to leave it then, there. Then you're done. Yeah. Mr. Ross. Uh, I'm going to agree with the three that both of you guys gave for basically the same reasons that both of you guys gave it a three. The, <laughs> I like the the Norse mythology parts, but the art is a little kind of, like you said, a little messy. It's not bad. It's just not. It's a little grittier. I don't know if I'd say messy. I mean, Max Carol Scalera is a fantastic artist, and some mm-hmm. of his art is messy because it's wild. This is very... Uh, it's it's gritty, but like the way the story's being told, it's supposed to be a darker sense. time, and it's supposed to be like set in a period when things weren't easy. Like if you think about any of these Viking shows going on, or any of these Game of Thrones shows going on, like they're all in this tone of grit and despair. But it's because of the time frame it is, and that's kind of how the world was. So, yeah, uh, I definitely dug it. I'd say give it give it a chance, check it out. Uh, like I said, I don't know a lot about Vault, but I dig this book, so... Groovy. So let's move on to... Superman! Number 18! Yeah, this book already has a leg up on most of what we do, considering who's working on it, and we're all kind of slaves to the the lads over there on Superman, because we got Gleason and Tomasi and, and Mick all, all working on them, and they're all dudes... Saver Tomasi, all dudes we have personal experiences with. So, at least for me, I've, I've never met Peter. But the way I understand it, he's awesome. But Pat's definitely a cool guy. His whole family's really cool. And Nick's, uh, he's a gem to talk to. If you want to hear about Nick or talk, hear an interview I did with Nick last year, go back about five episodes and you'll find it. It was before he could reveal, reveal based on DC's words, that uh, the book they're working on. So this would be just before Rebirth started. Anyway, uh, that's enough of my rambling for being sick and popping painkillers. Rob, tell me a story about Superman. There's been a lot going on with Superman. That's true. Um, and this is the first book that is titled Superman Reborn. One of the big things that's been going on is that we have a straight-up extra Clark Kent. Which is very bizarre. It is, mm-hmm. because it's not New 52 Superman... Or at least in theory, it's not New 52 Superman. And it's not old Superman. It's it's a totally new construct. So in theory, at one point, we had three Clark Kents. 
Superman pre-New 52, who was both. 52 Superman, which at one point was both. And then this other Clark Kent kind of out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> this other Clark Kent showed up after... After the New 52 one. Mm-hmm. Right. And died, theoretically, so. 52 Superman was posing as Clark Kent to keep this Clark Kent safe. So in theory, maybe never the same dude? Which is all mixed bag. I'm going to stop. You go. It's, it's hard to say. I mean, basically, this was like... Somebody was handed a you-need-to-fix Clark Kent as Superman, and this is something that they came up with, and it's crazy, but... Been crazy awesome. It, it could be... It could have been worse, that's for sure. could have been just Alfred in makeup, pretending to be Clark Kent. Who says so it is outsider? <laughs> I thought they killed him. That was evil Alfred. No, I mean, yeah. I just this isn't evil Alfred. Alfred. This is just Alfred. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, that was the old, like, you need to have Bruce Wayne and Batman together? Alfred and make him as Batman. Because why not? Batman, Alfred, same build. It's, exactly. it's, not, it's not true. It's no. Go, go on. But it was done a lot. Or I feel like a lot. Anyways. Uh, we also have kind of a new, like, watch watcher-type character who's been taking people out of the timeline. Somebody who watches blank timelines and is waiting for things to fill them. He's the one who faked Red Robin's death. Dr. Oz. And yeah, Duncan, yeah, who kind of plays a part at the beginning of this. Uh, and, of course, he's got Red Robin. He's got a version of Doomsday. I think pre-52 version of Doomsday. And then another character here that I don't quite recognize. Um, but he's he's been kind of squirreling them away and keeping them all prisoner. And at the beginning of this, we have people kind of like laughing at him and talking about like how they're going to get out. And then we have Red Robin telling him that somebody's got out. So somebody's broken free. And it leads to this kind of crazy Citadel world thing that's been broken apart. And when we get into it, we see all these sketchings on the wall of Superman's kind of origin. Uh, including, like, a bunch of the different styles of Superman S's. Including, like, even a future Superman S. And kind of connections to a whole bunch of the old storylines. So, like, we see the origin story for Superman here. We see Clark meeting the people of the Daily Planet. We see him saving Lois. We see him fighting Doomsday. We see the destruction of Krypton. So whoever this is, they know quite a lot about Superman, which there's a, not a lot of people who know this much, mm-hmm. right? So, and whoever it is, you know, they're they're they've written on here, Superman will save me, save me, Superman. Where are you, Superman? So it's somebody who's kind of like lost faith in the Superman that they trust. It's interesting because when I was looking at that, I didn't even it didn't even dawn on me that that was all like Superman history stuff that no one else would know really anything about in this universe. So mm-hmm. yeah, because some of it's not even stuff that ever happened in the Fifty Two universe. Mm-hmm. So we kind of catch up with Lois and Clark and John in Hamilton County, and they're having an anniversary for Lois and Clark. And Crypto. Crypto's there, too. Well, Crypto is there, too. Yeah. And there's a random other dog that immediately disappears after the first <laughs> two or three pages. It's actually funny, because that was the dog that they had in Superman and Lois Lane that I haven't seen since that book. 
So it's funny that now he just randomly shows up for a couple of pages in this book. And... Maybe he'll be the real casualty. <laughs> but um, they kind of carry on and have have their little party. And they're not supposed to have gotten uh, each other presents, but of course they got each other presents, and John got presents for him. And he gets all ooey-gooey with it. Oh, John, you're the best adventure in life. We all love you. I don't know what we'd do without you. Like, they really hammer it into your head. And no matter what's going on, John, you're the best. Couldn't ask for a better son. Oh, boy. <laughs> and then Clark shows up. Outside, like a creeper, in the night. And Crypto comes up and sniffs him and starts growling at him. And, like, he's trying to talk to Crypto, but Crypto's just not hearing it. And John calls him off. But the dog keeps growling at him. Crypto actually probably has more expression this time than most, because he has a question mark after his grr. <laughs> dog That's shoulder That's how shrug. my dog does most everything. The question mark at the end. <laughs> we never know, Rob. It's true. I couldn't tell you for sure, you know. <laughs> whether whether that's a normal thing or not. But either way, this Clark left a present behind, too. It winds up being a photo album of the Kints. And when they start looking through it, it's it looks like a photo album that Clark would have had before. Because it has his ancient ancestors, and it has like his parents' uh, prom photos. It has a picture of him as a baby. It has pictures of him and Lana as they were growing up. So, like, this is, like, a legit photo album that has all these memories. But no sooner did they look at it than they noticed that the final pineapple upside-down cake inside is on fire. And as they run in to try to put it out, they realize that the flame is not burning like a normal flame. It's, it's instead, like, erasing everything it's touching. And so Superman starts telling Lois to get out and get, tells John to get out. And they look over and John's hands are on fire already. And he's like, I'm scared. And so Superman goes flying over and is trying to, like, hold on to him and help him from burning or whatever. And he keeps, like, popping from area to area as uh, Lois and, and Superman run around the house trying to help protect him. At the very end, he winds up wrapping him in the blanket and pulling him outside. And, uh, you know, something, something crazy happens at the very end of it. And regardless of how crazy what happens is... The one thing that we know is that Clark Kent must have been responsible. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some, there's some big stuff that happens as, as like, the house kind of dissolves into nothingness and everything kind of starts disappearing. And that big thing that, you know, we know is that Clark Kent's at the, at the root of it. Right. So. Who, who do you think Clark Kent is, Rob? That's a really good question. They actually put some interesting ideas at the end of this book. Um, it's hard to say, because they throw out a lot of like plausible ideas, and I don't know if they're just plausible because they threw them out, mm -hmm. or because it's actually who they are. But the ones they throw out there is Bizarro. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they're basically saying the the new Bizarro. The new Frankenstein Bizarro? Yeah. Yeah. So, the other one is, of course, New 52 Superman, and this is, you know, just him being Clark. Uh, another one is Mr. Missileplick, and not New Mr. Missileplick from 
Morrison's weirdness with Death Angels, but like the original Mr. Misselplug. Um, New 52 Eradicator, which Eradicator in the New 52 is a lot crazier. I mean, he was, he was like this in the past, too, but basically in the New 52, he was a computer that was supposed to keep Krypton alive. And so he actually decided that if you left Krypton, you were weakening Krypton. Mm. And so, like, the whole reason that Doxamites are poisoned by lead is because Eradicator poisoned them. He made them have, you know, this inferiority to, to lead in the New 52 continent. Um, so, like, he's been an element for, like, trying to keep Krypton as it was. And so even after Krypton's been destroyed, his desire to, like, bring Supergirl and Superman back to Krypton is, like, his whole motivation anymore. Now, the next one is Martian Manhunter. Oh, right. Which, they're kind of going with this idea that, you know, he's been broken before. He knows Superman's past. He's an incredibly powerful telepath. So, could it be? But they ask their own question at the end of it, which is like, why? Why would it be him? I think that their page that they have here is a total setup, and it's not going to be any it could. of it could not It could not be any of them. The final one is Magog. Nice. Um, and those who don't know Magog, Magog was basically like the Man of Tomorrow. He was supposed to be basically like Superman's replacement for the Kingdom Come story. Right. He was supposed to be the next Man of Steel. Um, if you read Kingdom Come, he basically sets the tone for the new era of superheroes by, I think it was Killing the Joker. Yeah, being more hardcore. And people were like, we love him, God. Killing stuff is cool. <laughs> so Superman's like, what? Fine, I'm going to go be a farmer. You all take care of yourself. And, you know, ten years later, he has to come back and fix things because Magog's way of doing things was wrong. Now... Magog took on a life of his own later in regular DC, where he felt like he was let down by Superman, a la original Reverse Flash. Right. Like, how could you be just a regular man and, like, travel through time and stuff and cause all sorts of problems? Yeah, he time traveled was a villain for a few for a little bit. Yeah. Because multiple time travel, multiple Magogs... Multiple ends of reality, multiple ends of everything. It got crazy for a minute. Like, way crazy. And eventually he kind of shook out as, like, a broke-down kind of soldier guy who was yeah. trying to be a hero again. Right. With super guy-like powers. Now, for me, I'm relatively certain the guy who broke out of that cell was Magog at the beginning of the story. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that's Magog, and I think he's going to come back to this timeline demanding why Superman didn't come and save him. Oh, it's going to be a big cool. issue. Yeah. Um, but as for who Clark Kent is, I have no idea at all. It could be Missileplick, I guess. I I don't see why. It seems too too cerebral for Missileplick. But of course, you know they they've tried to rewrite a lot of these characters, and the rewrite for Missileplick was so backassward. <laughs> when Morrison did it, basically he was the hero of the story and everybody mm. else was a villain, so who knows? You know, Could Martian Manhunter be this Clark Kent? Yes, because we haven't seen Martian Manhunter anywhere since his uh, own series where we found out he had multiple personalities everywhere. Personally, I think it's not going to end up being another character. I think that it's going to be some weird 
complicated reason why it's actually still Clark Kent. Okay. I don't know exactly how they're planning to pull it off, but I don't think it's like another character posing as Clark Kent. I think it's someone that either is Clark Kent or really thinks they are well, Clark there's, Kent. There's a batch of... Have we scored this book yet? No, I don't think so. Let's go and score it real quick and we'll continue this nonsense. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I'd give it... I'd give it a three and a half, and I know that doesn't seem like I enjoyed it as much as some other books, but I, I did enjoy the book. I think it was actually really well done. I love the artwork for it. Um, and this story really has made me think a lot about what's going on with Superman, and honestly, if you're a DC fan and you're not picking up Superman, you need to, because there's going to be a lot of important stuff happening soon. Actually, if you missed the second death, you already missed a really cool concept in comics. But whatever. Regardless. Hey, Ross? I'm going to give it a three and a half as well. Um, I think I'm going to like it more when I see where the story's going and more of what they're doing with it. Right. Uh, like Rob said, the art's really good. I really like the characters of John and and pre-New 52 Superman and Lois Lane. Right. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's something weird going on with them, though, like you were talking about, because they've never really been... As overly like John's the greatest thing ever, like they are in this one. Yeah, but honestly, I I think that's just kind of just in case you haven't been picking up the books, we want to make sure you know their um, relationship. Maybe, yeah. now. Um, Although, just for me, this version of Lois Lane is the only Lois Lane that I've not been completely angry with all the time. So like, yeah, they're doing a great job, and I love that she's got the violet eyes. I know that was a cartoon thing, but. I think it's cool. I'm I'm really really excited about how this is tying in to the whole rebirth idea as a whole. Um, it's not something we really went over much at the start, but Mister Oz is. There's an idea that he might be one of the Watchmen characters. Yes. Yeah. And and he's a big big part of the whole rebirth in general and sucking the happiness out of the universe. Take that, happiness. I kind of wonder if... Well, Steve, go ahead and do this first, and then, then we'll do some more speculation. Okay, uh, score-wise, yeah, I give it three and a half also. Good book. Uh, I, I hear what you guys are saying with the, the, the John with the John stuff, but I don't think it's... I wouldn't say it's out of the place. I mean, if it turns out to be something later, then good on you, but... I, I think it was just... Sure. If you haven't been reading the book... Right. Here's here's the relationship. Fill you with you. Um, I give it three and a half. Uh, yeah, good good book. It's a little more speculation, then we'll move on to the, the the last book, right? Is there one more left? Yeah. Yeah, left. Okay. Yeah, one more left. Sweet. Um, so I, uh, what were you gonna say, Ross? I or Rob? No, go ahead, Rob. I wonder if Oz is not a Watchman character. I mean, he could be Ozymandias, and that would wrap up his name nicely. But uh, you know, he doesn't really have any powers. One of the things that's interesting to me in this one is that he speculates about an empty universe waiting to be filled, watching. I kind of wonder if this is going to go back to the whole idea that we have monitors and anti-monitors, and this is one of the monitors, somebody who's actually no watching universes. And he's thinking that he's helping it along the way by removing things that aren't not supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. How will Red Robin... Is the thing that's not supposed to be there? I don't know, though. Aside from that, he's been used so crappily by the new 52. 
Well, yeah. his his starting was pretty rough. Yeah, it was. I know we've talked about that a lot on here. And it's still, yeah, unfortunately, because I'm... Detective has gotten better about it. And the end of the Teen Titans run he was still in was better about it. But the first Teen Titans run was not... Like, the like the first four issues, were five issues were pretty okay. And then things sort of got weird. And even when he showed up in Batman Robin, it, the way they wrote him was weird. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's necessarily any of the guys working on those books' fault. It's the direction they pick with that character. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And so the direction they pick with that character, that's who's at fault. So if that's one of you guys listening, bad on you. Just slap your hand, same way I do Ross when he reaches for another cookie, and then I tell him to have the cookie anyway. Same way I did myself just now, and now my hand hurts. Thanks. Take that, everybody. <laughs> I, I think that Mr. Oz probably is going to end up being one of the Watchmen characters. Whether or not... Uh, I think it's too obvious for it to be Ozymandias. And I think it's too obvious that they're trying to turn him into a bad guy. Too. I think in the end he's probably on the right track. He probably is trying to help things. And yeah. What I hate is like, I feel so much like I've seen him before. Mm-hmm. And as much as I know about DC now, I, I definitely am more of like, I, I know more of the obscureness of Marvel than I do of DC. But I feel like I've seen him before. And I don't mean like before in Rebirth. I mean like before in the Golden, and like, well not Golden, but like Silver and modern age. Oh, really? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I feel like I've seen him. Hmm. And maybe that'll, maybe that'll pay off and it's true, and maybe it's just that, that it's design all is just too similar to something else. And, maybe. You know, or maybe I tricked myself into it. But, like, that scepter, I swear I've seen it before, but I just cannot chase it down in my mind. Hmm. And you can't really just go, like, Google scepter. <laughs> yeah, you thing. can't really You can, find but it. you don't find what you want. No. no. Really at no. all. And you don't want it on your browser. No, that's true. <laughs> it's very true. Don't, don't, don't do it. It's not kitchen trouble work. It's <laughs> so bad. Um, well, there's a lot of speculation in the world, like a lot of folks on the internet that are thinking it's Superboy Prime, that Prime is who Clark is. There's some wording in the way that that's written, like, which one of these villains do you think it is? Some Prime suspects that is shady. Um... I, there's a weird following for Prime out there, which is bizarre. Yeah. If it was me, he would not be Prime. But you know who's missing is is Superboy from New 52. Yeah, he doesn't make any sense, though. No, he doesn't. But, like, I mean, he's another candidate, I guess, if you're just throwing things out there. Right. But, like, I don't... I just don't think Prime is the answer for anything. But that's just... Yeah. I think we're more likely going to find out... If I was going to put a guess out there, I think we're more likely going to find out that the death of Superman, where he had no body left over, the the powers ejected, and for whatever reason, he was reformed as just Clark. Now, how does that turn him into a raging madman? Don't really know. But I have a feeling this is going to wind up being some part of the same Superman. And since, in theory, the universe we're in is not a different universe, it's a universe with missing time, so it's quite possible this Superman and the other Superman are the same dude, too, and we're going to see Fusion Dance, and it become one. Mm. That's what I think is going to happen. I guess that's a possibility, yeah. From the solicitations previously, were you thinking there was a chance that we're going to have the double, the red and blue Superman thing? At one point, I did think we were going to have two functions of it, but at this point, we've got, we already have a red Superman, which is Lana Lane. Like, one of the powers that went away from Superman when he died mm-hmm. went to her. Mm-hmm. And the blue power went to Lois, the other Lois. 
And then the strength and everything else went to the new Superman of, of China. Oh, really? Yeah. Because that's where his powers came from. His powers came from Superman also. So all three of them got powers from the powers shooting out of dead Superman okay. and hitting them. So as far as the Superwoman and the Superman, new Superman, excuse me, all their powers came from 52 dying. And then all of a sudden this normal human Clark Kent shows up. Well, if the powers are gone, you'd think Kryptonian DNA would still be there. But the test that Superman ran at the Forces of Solitude, I, it's hard to say exactly what he ran because I don't remember, but he checked on the broken arm, he checked on how he didn't have healing abilities, he checked on how his breath and his body worked different in the cold, other than the, how Kryptonian would work, but I don't remember if they ever talked about doing a blood test. And granted, it'd be stupid if he didn't. But in the end, if all the powers are gone, he's basically a humanoid. Yeah. So... You would think the DNA would still be different, but I don't know. I guess maybe not. I kind of wonder, even if we prove that this is not really Clark Kent in some way, does he have to die to move the story of Superman forward? Don't know. Because, I mean, I don't. I, I guess I don't really see the Superman just stepping in and being like, I'm going to be the reporter Clark Kent again. Because he seems to be okay with just being... Being past that, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't imagine even if he, even if they do do the fusion dance and they make pre fifty two, new fifty two, all one thing, which would iron out any of the timeline problems because they're all the same dude, and then you don't have to deal with it anymore. I doubt we'll see him go back to the secret identity life. Well, he's not that secret identity. Yeah, at least not that secret identity. There's also a batch of talk that possibly the strange neighbor farmer. Um, the one who lives next to John and Lois and Clark, Superman. The, the, uh, the grandpa. The grandpa yeah. farmer. That that might be Martian Manhunter also. Oh, that'd but be interesting. It's one of those other things, huh. like grasping at things. It's hard to say if that's the case or not. So, as far as like mysteries, I imagine next issue we'll probably get more, to quote Rob's favorite line for the first season of our show, as we read more, we'll find out more things. Well, see, in this case, like, it's not like it's obviously just leading us, you know. I mean, these, right. are, these are questions that, like, it's fun to speculate about. Oh, no, no. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And, I, and honestly, I mean, we haven't been able to do that in a while. No. So that's pretty That's pretty good. That's a good yeah, point for yeah, story, too. Point. And once again, you know, if you, whatever's hanging you up from not reading Superman... If it's because, why, you've got all the power in the world. This isn't a story about powers. No. And that's where Superman's the best. Right. That the, the first run on the Rebirth Superman has been one of my favorite comics in years. Like, the Eradicator story is really, really cool. Huh. And it's not, not your typical Superman story at all. Right. Like, the uh, as far as the guy in the cage that escaped, or the whoever was in the box that escaped... Yeah. I think it's possible it's a Legion of Superheroes thing, no, but like more likely man. Magog, yeah. simply because Magog, Time Traveler, Magog, Time Traveled to learn about Superman to destroy him back when he was a villain. Yeah. So it being Magog would be very possible, plus he's also a powerhouse. So if you're a mystical entity outside reality, you'd box him, just like you box Doomsday. Yeah. But who do we see show up in that DC universe? Phantom Girl. So is it possible it was Phantom Girl, and that 
at this point, we're just catching up to her getting away. I was going to say, typically, too, when you have one Legion of Superheroes character show up, you have a whole bunch of them show up True. that have been in the background the whole time that you don't even know that they're there. And, and there's one Legion member that is alive right now. Right. Which is Monel. Monel's in the Phantom Zone, in theory, right now in Timeline. In theory, he should be, yeah. So but I doubt, I doubt he's Monel. Yeah, I don't think I think I think Monel is probably still in the Phantom Zone if he's anywhere. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I guess it's a possibility, but I find it unlikely. Yeah. If that was the case, we have another Superman show because they look the same. Very close. Yes. Okay, that's enough nonsense about Superman, people, with your nonsense and your weird colored pants. I I don't know. Okay. I never understand what I'm saying half the time anyway. Okay. I blame the cold medicine, but it's always this way. <sighs> oh, that's why you don't take the cold medicine and you don't have the cold, Steve. Oh, right. Dang it. See, me and Jamarcus Russell never learned that. <laughs> Ever. And now his career is over. Luckily, I don't try to play football. That's true. <laughs> it's a stab at the Oakland Raiders. Oh, sorry. Anyway, okay, so moving on. Uh, let's move on to Electra number one, which has nothing to do with cough syrup the way I understand it. That's true. Uh, so this is written by uh, Matt Owens, and the art is by uh, one, and I, I believe it's Cabal, 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 it's C-A-B-A-L, so it's not Cable, because it's pronounced wrong. It's a Cabal, probably. I'm going to hope that's right. Um, sorry if it's wrong, uh, but I gave the spelling, right? That's what it makes up for it, no? Sure. doesn't make up for your stupidity. Thanks a lot, guys. Oh. <clears throat> I don't see any here. Voices, it's terrible. Anyway, okay, so beginning of the book. Man, we open up uh, at the uh, Midway Casino in Las Vegas, and uh, we're basically getting some voiceover stuff explaining how Las Vegas has got everything you need to escape or run away. And uh, depending on what you want to get into, there's some very dark parts of Las Vegas. And it kind of talks about the, the seedier parts and all the reasons you'd want to run away or all the reasons you'd want to hide there. And... Uh, after we get past a little bit of that, uh, seeing all the different nightlife options in Vegas, we uh, join a man in, sitting in a big red chair, talking to another man about investing his money in the greatest sport ever. And We realize that you're a high roller, so we don't let people into this game usually unless they're high rollers. And the guy the guy who's sitting behind the desk, or the guy on the offside desk, excuse me, is like, oh man, this, this is a steal for this kind of deal. This kind of bet, this is a bargain. And, uh, we cut from there to a man watching a whole lot of things on video, including the room we were just in. To say the reveal for who he is, which doesn't happen until the end anyway, they give you a shot of his suit, and it's a it's a white suit with a green tie. And uh, on the screens, we have one room that's basically a giant batch of dice that have been dropped on a dude in a bloody mess. And then the other room is the room with the two men talking about the bet. Comments he makes about the middle, but the middle picture is, oh, I thought a name of May an MMA fighter would do a lot better than that and actually put up a fight. <laughs> laughing, off, laughing off that idea the dude died. And then we cut to a couple other scenes where we see a lot of other crazy things happening, like two people making out in an alley and a guy sneaking up behind him with a gun and a bunch of people at the bar, and then we see a couple guys looking like they're robbing a place in an alley. And these are all on video that, that this guy's watching. And then we go from there straight into a bar scene, which was inside the hotel and is definitely one of the cameras we saw. And we've got a girl with purple hair who's working as the bartender and a, uh, a pretty blonde lady drinking shots behind, on the other side of the bar. And the two of them are talking and 
the girl with the purple hair asks the girl what, what she's doing in Vegas, because there's only two reasons people like her come to Vegas. Again, to either to escape or to, to look for something else. And she tells her she's not really sure what she's, if she's running to or running away, because she hasn't figured that out yet. And as she talks about that, we get a flash of memories, and it's her, well, it's Electra uh, making out Daredevil, getting stabbed to death by Bullseye, and fighting the hand. And we return to our blonde lady in the room, so it tells us that this is Electra uh, in a disguise. Well, her and the bartender continue to talk a little bit, and then eventually she asks the bartender if she's supposed to be some type of therapist. And the bartender tells her, well, you know, it's almost the same thing, so the drinks make it a lot easier to get stuff out of people. And uh, then, of course, the bartender starts spilling her whole life story to her about how she originally went moved out to California to get into Hollywood, and that didn't work out, and then she made some bad choices with boyfriends, and that wound her up working in Vegas. And uh, now her life's what it is. And uh, we go a little farther past that, and the two of them start, start sort of find what thought, like a, I don't know, kind of a weird talk, like a bond between strangers. And uh, at one point, she starts laughing, and a tear rolls out of her eye, and you see a giant smear of makeup on her face from the tear, and uh, Electra tells her, yeah, your uh, your gloss is running. And she goes to wipe it off, and we might have seen there's a bruise there. And Electra noticed a bruise earlier on her arm. And uh, about that time, we're joined by a dude in sunglasses, who is the same guy from previously that was upstairs making taking the bet from the rich guy. So, dude, who's the best dude you're ever going to get? It's that guy. And he comes down and he tells the bartender, oh, they need you someplace else. And we find out his name is Jasper. And uh, she re reluctantly agrees to go with him. From there, uh, we wind up joining uh, a couple of the other guys in the uh, video room. And we're back to the dude in the white suit. And uh, one of the guys on the panel lets you know, we had a high roller on table whatever. I don't remember the table. And he's like, well, send somebody out there to get them in on the big money. But be careful, you got to remember, use the three E's. Exclusive, expensive, and execution. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, man, I got it. And so he goes downstairs, and who do we find at the roulette wheel? It's Electra, and she's got a giant stack of chips in front of her, and she looks super bored. So this guy leans down, and he starts, try, starts talking to her, and he says, how would you like to play a real high-stakes game? And she looks at him and goes, worst pickup line ever. And about that time, the uh, roulette wheel guy drops the ball, and it starts spinning around, and of course it lands on her bet, and she gets up and tells him not interested and walks away. From there, Electra goes to the bathroom, and while she's in the bathroom, she hears uh, somebody in the stall making a lot of noise, like slap-around noise. And then out walks Jasper. And Jasper comes over and washes his hands in the sink, and she says, you do realize you're in the wrong bathroom, right? And Jasper looks at her, and he's like, well, she's got to have it when she's got to have it. And out he walks, like he's some kind of smooth pimp. Well, she goes over the door and finds our bartender, with a whole bunch of extra bruises now on her neck and shoulders. So she tells the girl, I'm going to help you. It takes her upstairs and uh, has her change. And at the time, she's got her in like a, like she took a shower with the way she's dressed. She's in the bathroom with a rag on her head. And the whole time, Electra's talking to her. And up to this point, we haven't seen her out of the blonde wig. And Electra looks at her, like at one point, Electra asks her to stay in the room and not let anybody else in if it's not her. And about that time, the girl looks at her, and she's like, I thought you said you didn't like red. Something I missed earlier. Let me rewind for a second, guys. Whenever she mentions her makeup, 
the girl's like, oh, yeah, I've got a really cool shade of red to look at on you. And she said, I hate red. She's like, okay. I missed that part earlier. Sorry. So whenever she sees her, before us seeing her, she's like, I thought you didn't like red. And that comes to sequence of a couple guys walking down the hallway talking about murdering somebody and how good they are at it and how awesome they are at taking out dudes. And uh, about that time, we see a, a red sheet fall behind them. And that leads to one dude's face being smashed into the wall, and the other dude getting a side through the throat. Uh, you know, Electra style. From there, uh, we jump to the club scene, and Jasper's sitting in there with a couple of his bodyguard guys, talking about dealing drugs, and how awesome he is to be him. And uh, they both start, the both the guys start talking about a guy named Rocco, and eventually we see this dude walking through the crowd, and he looks super wasted, and they're both like, oh, looks like Rocco's getting high on the stuff again. And about that time, Rocco falls over with a whole bunch of ninja stars in his back. Kind of awesome. And then we get the reveal of Elektra in her new costume with the black spandex and the uh, scarfs. Kind of a uh, Ninja Gaiden style a little bit. Looks awesome. Anyway, that turns into a gun battle, uh, which has a lot of cool visuals. About halfway through the gun battle... Jasper decides he's going to take her out. So he pulls out his gun, and that leads to a side of thigh. <laughs> I'm waiting to say that this whole time. And then another one down the gun barrel, which totally ruins his gun. And he's sitting there on the ground with the one side of his leg, and he's basically paralyzed. He's like, what do you want? What do you want? And she looks down at him, and she says, when you got to have it. And uh, at that point, he screams, and we assume that he's dead. From there, we cut to another person watching a monitor. And that person's like, this can't be Electra. Oh my god, it's Electra. And that leads to a reveal of who the big bad is for the first story arc. So I'm going to stop there because, well, the reveal is the reveal. And whatever she's in for, she wasn't planning to get herself in two. Um, Score-wise, I, I give it a three and a half. It was pretty entertaining. I definitely dug the art style. It's a little more simple than some stuff I like, but it's really clean. And I definitely dig the... Uh, the look to the whole thing, like the Vegas look, is really cool. Um, I dig the story because it's a pretty cool setup. This last batch of books have come out about Daredevil characters. have been pretty cool. I mean, Bullseye is definitely super bloody. Kingpin, I haven't finished that yet, so I don't have a real opinion on it yet. But the Electra book, I'm pretty pretty into. And, I, and I'll give you, like, I like the Electra character in general, but she has a hard time running series as long... And I don't know if that's just because it's hard to write for or because the angle people take, but what's starting in this book's pretty freaking cool. And I definitely dig where they're going with her. Very, I assume it's going to be very Running Man-like, which I love the Running Man, so. Anyway, yeah, three and a half. Uh, Mr. Ross, you have any opinion on that book? Um, well, I think I'm all about the threes tonight, because I'm going to give it a three. Hey! Uh, art's pretty good. Uh, I do like the new look for Elektra. Yeah, her costume was pretty awesome. That whole, like, uh, shinobi look to her, mm. pretty awesome. Yeah, and the, and the Las Vegas setting is a pretty cool thing. Uh, Electra is just not normally like my style of thing, I guess, but not, not, murder. A, not, yeah. not a bad book, though. Cool. Uh, who's to Rob? Yeah, I'd probably follow suit. I'd go ahead and give it a 3-5. Um... I think it looks like it's going to be a fun run. Hopefully this will be a good one that we're going to keep going with Electra. The previous Electra story was cool, 
But the artwork was so crazy. I think it kind of kept it from having much longevity. Uh, I do know for some reason there was some hubbub about this new costume. Like people thinking that they, you know, oh, how dare you change Electra's costume? Honestly, this is this is how you change a costume. You make it better. Right. You know, because, I mean, Electra costume has been cool, but it's it's always been kind of, eh. Like, this is a better look. You know? Uh, it, it's not just, let's go ahead and throw in her jumpsuit because, oh, my gosh, she had too much skin before. This, this like, actually makes sense as a better costume for her. So it does have a very similar look to, like, Tacky from, uh, or Tacky, 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 yeah. Tacky, Tacky, Tacky from uh, Soul Calibur. Yeah. But uh, that Shinobi looks really pretty cool. I mean, Ninja Gaiden definitely pulls it off, and that's kind of what the look is going for, which I dig it. I mean, if she goes back to the full-on red in the jumpsuit swimsuit, I'm fine with that, too. But as far as, like, a step backwards, like you said, it's not a costume that is a step backwards, which we've had a fair amount of those in the last two years. Yeah. Like, silly things. But this one's really cool, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I dig it. Yeah, like the weird pants on... Yeah, so, pants on Superman, pants on Wonder Woman, everybody earning their pants. Yeah. Gotta earn them, Rob. That, that's stupid, too, but yeah. 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 Either way, I, I think it's really cool, and I, this is a very efficient costume, and I think it's a really cool story. And it is nice to get it out of New York. I mean, there's not as big of a Marvel only localized in New York anymore, but putting it in Las Vegas, I think, is a really cool take. Right. Right on. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, Rob, what'd you learn today? Learning that horses don't like fire, but that wasn't about the show. That's true. Horses yeah. don't like that. Horses, horses that's a, that's like a, a, a link and switch um, thing. Which, it's true. Horses don't like fire. Who really does, Rob, especially when they're wearing it? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Johnny Storm? Give me a second here. I was just going to say the Human Torch. That's a good answer, bro. He probably likes fire. That's a good, good answer. Like, well, give me the fire. I fucking love it. Rub it on my face. But he's all made of fire. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh. What, what did we learn? Ross, what did you learn today? I learned that the old grandpa neighbor in Superman might be the Martian Manhunter. It's just a theory. It's not really something... Well, I guess you did learn the theory. Okay, fine. I learned that photo albums are for chumps. And they <laughs> might be traps. That's a... Might be or always are. Mm. <laughs> I, I know in my life, if you pull out the photo album, it's a damn trap. <laughs> All right. That's a, it's a well-learned lesson, I guess. Uh, Rob, what did I learn today? You learned that crypto knows how to... Uh, Ask questions with its arfs. <laughs> that's a very good point. It's all about tone. Yeah. All right. That's a that's a good thing to learn. I would have never thought that uh, crypto would be able to emote that way. Ask questions. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I thought he was like subject <laughs> down to arf, grr, and growl, but no question marks. That's a good point. Got growl with two exclamation points. Ugh. That's when he's serious, business. right? Yeah. The question mark growl? I, I haven't seen that. Maybe <laughs> it's just because I haven't been paying attention. I think that's the first time I've seen that in a comic, but it's totally something my dog does in real life. So. That's true, I've seen it. It gives you the look like, are, are you joking me right now? Yeah. Really? Then I put a giant 
fake spider from Halloween on his back and make him ride the dog. You know, you said Halloween, and I heard from hell at the start. It's <laughs> almost the same thing. It's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, dogs usually look at you like that when you put the hell spider on them. That's true. <laughs> For real? <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I'm like, yeah, now pose for pictures because I think it's funny. And that doesn't work, it doesn't earn me any points at all in life. Not with the dog, although I do have some funny pictures. That's true. I think they're hilarious. Uh, Alright, uh, let's do some books to watch. Raj, you got any books to watch? Yeah, uh, Future Quest ends next month. Issue 12. Yep. Nope, yep. Well, then there's Daniel. But Daniel, I don't think it's going to have anything to do with the regular story, but anyway. Daniel actually is almost split up into two things. Too. Yeah. And I'm excited for both of those, too. So we're going to have Space Ghost, Green Lantern, and Johnny Quest, and uh, Adam Strange yep. as two different team-ups. Uh, all those Looney Tunes crossovers look crazy and fun. Same with the Banana Splits and Suicide Squad. I think that's where they got that idea for the Looney Tunes was when they it's did very, that, and yeah. people were like, man, this is so ridiculous that it's going to be awesome. And um, We got Hot Dog and the Werewolf coming out. It's not out. the title of that book. It's, it should it's, be. It's, it's, it's Jughead Hunger. Hot if you, dog if and you the people werewolf. go to try to get it, don't say Hot Dog and the Werewolf. <laughs> They'll never understand what you're talking about. If you believe that's the title, you're going to get a very different experience. <laughs> Not that they shouldn't make that book, too, because it sounds like it'd be a great party. Like Weekend at Bernie's, but without a dead guy. Okay. You know, it, it was a fun party, Rob. That, that would just be The weekend. Yes, it'd just be The weekend. <laughs> yeah. That's that's true. That's a good, okay, good point. <sighs> Rob, got some books to watch? Um, yeah, I do, actually. Marvel's trying to turn it around with the X-Men, so I think X-Men... Gold is going to be awesome. Um, X-Men Blue, maybe. But they've got a bunch of other X titles that are going to be coming out, so we're going to be seeing Weapon X and Cable and Generation X all getting new starts with brand new characters that are going to be part of them. Um, I think all those guys are going to be fantastic. And, of course, I, I'm still really liking um, Birthright. So, I mean, those are kind of some of my some of my top books. I actually really enjoy Champions. Uh, they get... A little social justice but I think it's been, I think it's still been a really well done storyline, so uh, definitely keep an eye on what's going on with Superman, and uh, you're probably going to be talking about the button, I assume, so yeah. I, I'll hold that off. Uh, Flash has been fantastic, they've actually been doing a lot of good stuff with Green Lanterns, uh, in both the standard Green Lantern and the Hal Jordan Green Lantern mm-hmm. books. So. I second that. Uh, right on. But yeah, I, mostly, you know, lots of lots of X stuff. So if for some reason you got afraid because you thought that Marvel was just dumping the X-Men because of Fox, oh well, it, the Inhumans didn't work, so X-Men's are back. Yay! Yay! X-Men party. Yeah. I'm pretty happy about seeing that and a new Cable book. I do. I am a fan of Cable, so... I am too. I'm I, pretty I happy just, about that. I hope that they can turn them around because... Like, I loved him in, at the X-Force and Cable. Right. But I think a lot of people still kind of, like, feel like he's so set in the 90s that it's hard for them to enjoy the story. Mm-hmm. Which, hopefully, that's not going to be an issue. I find it unlikely it will be. I mean, the new team working on it seems like a decent team. But we don't know a lot about it because it just put solicits out this last like last week, I think. Yeah, no, maybe two weeks it, ago. It's really new, so... So, yeah, that should be pretty cool, though. I, I definitely am ready for another Cable book. Oh, uh, one, one other thing. Sorry. Uh, Secret Empire. 
should be fantastic. I think this is going to be a Marvel event that's really going to be important and I hope really well done. Right. So I was going to, yeah, I was going to mention that one too. Uh, both Flash and Batman twenty one twenty two. That's that button story. Um, get on it quick, folks, because they're going to have lenticular covers, and after that, you're stuck getting the the two D cover. Not that's a bad one because it looks cool too. Yeah, but I mean, if you're if you're reading Rebirth, I think this is like possibly the most important stuff they're putting out right now. It contends to the idea of the Watcher being part of the universe. Yeah. It really is. So I think both those will be really cool, um, story-wise. We're going to have a Teen Titans Deathstroke crossover, which I think that'll be awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I was going to say it, too. <laughs> pretty, pretty into that idea. Uh, they got a book coming out of an uh, image called uh, Redneck, which is basically vampires... Basically hillbilly vampires, basically. Um, I got to read a... go through and read a preview for issue one and two. And there's a lot... Like initially, I, I didn't know what I thought about it, but uh, if you, if you like Southern Bastards, it's like Southern Bastards mixed with vampires. So I definitely more interested in it now than I was initially. Um, so yeah, good on it. Uh, I'm still really stoked for that rose that rose book. The rose and thorn. Well, it's it's rose. Thorns are cat, hmm. but uh, the book is titled Rose, also coming from Image. Uh, so I'm still. Pretty excited about that thing happening. I think that'll be cool. I'm pretty stoked for the Batman Shadow, just because I. Oh yeah, I, I forgot about that one. I'm getting like, issue two solicits came out, and yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty into that idea. I mean, it's a six part miniseries, so I doubt it'll have implications for the rest of the universe, but I think that'll be cool, cool mashup. Um, that's all I got for right now. I guess there's a whole pile of other books in the world, and Rob listed half of them. So thanks a lot, Rob. One last one. Damn it, Ross. Before the crazy Teen Titans-Titans crossover. Yes. In between that, next month, this month, is the start of Aqualad in Teen Titans. Oh, yeah, that's not. That's, right. that's just an issue thing. Well, I'm, yeah, but I'm still, excited about that. Still it's, books it's, to watch, right? It's going to be a, it's going to be an arc. It's two yeah. issues, I think, at least. Yeah, the so. the final finally putting Calderon in the Teen Titans, which in a way it's either the beginning of Rebirth. Or the end of Brightest Day. Oh man, that's crazy. Like, because they've been promised freaking Calderon. Mm-hmm. The downside is, I don't... I, For like six years now. Can he live up to the hype? I mean, really. No. Like, is all, he, all his Young Justice stuff turned out pretty okay. Yeah, this new version in the comic books, we'll see. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Like, if they... Honestly, one of the things that drives me nuts is that sometimes they come up with something great. In the comics, or in the, in the animated series, and they get to the comics and they're like, no, no, we're not going to do that. This is what people like, but no. No, I have another yeah. idea. It's the same Let's thing. Put on his head. Same thing with the DC, uh, that's the masks. Max, Rob. Old school image. That's true. Same thing with the DC TV and movies. Like, they can't line stuff up that people are happy with. Yeah. And I mean, it's not a matter of, like, it has to be the same as the TV show. No, but, but you got him right there. So yeah, why change too much of it? Right. People yeah. like that version. You're taking the look of that version. So work with what you're just making that version. Ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Ain't broke, don't fix it. That's enough of that. That's as much as I'm gonna say. Enough of that. Ross, anything else? That's it. God, I always have to bring stuff with in. Ross, having problems. I know. I'm sorry. Wave my white flag. I give up. Tiki. Tiki. Tiki.
Not gonna do it. Scissors. The fuck is out of the Nando? Cause I'm in a one-night go Cause I'm